welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. our hands again this evening and praise him. Hallelujah. You are worthy of our praise, oh God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. How excellent is thy name. Praise God. The enemy's been defeated. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God. No matter what he does, no matter what he says, amen, he's a liar. Praise God. We're believing in, amen, the word of God and what God says. Amen. Powerful services that we had this past weekend, Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Appreciated the more family being with us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I was saying earlier how the presence of God just moved and we had, amen, in our worship. And I made a comment. I was just kind of kidding around. But I said, when you have worship like that, and the, the way it was happening, I said, Remy could have preached the message. And, God was just in this place. I always understand the fact it's not about a man. It's not about a man. It's about a message. Amen. It's about how we, you and I, how we apply ourselves and we humble ourselves in the presence of God to allow God to do a great thing, a great work in our midst. And that's just exactly what he wants to do. Praise God. So let's turn to Mark, the sixth chapter talking about Jesus and the life of Christ and amen what he has done in our lives pretty uh, lengthy passage of scripture here verses 31 to 44 so follow with me beginning in verse 31 and he said unto them come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Rest a while. Turn to your neighbor and say, sounds like a vacation to me. <laughs> rest a while. Let's go to a deserted place. Let's rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. How many came to church tonight and you didn't have time to eat? Yeah, there you go. How many is going to eat after church? So you want me to be fast tonight. <clears throat> so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. 
They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Remember, we were talking about compassion. Moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was far, now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. This was supposed to be our vacation, our time of rest, and already the hour is late. Send them away. Let's stop this service. Amen. It's getting even time. Let's send them away. My words, of course. Let's send them away that they may go into a surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But the answer said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> you give them something to eat. Turn to your neighbor and say, you. You give them something to eat. You know, just a sidebar here right now. I think sometimes we feel like we got to get everybody to the house of God to hear the word of God, to feed off of the word of God. But sometimes it's going to be you and I out in our daily lives that might take a little bit of the word of God and feed somebody. Amen. Give them a little bread of life. Amen. A little nourishment, a little hope. Show compassion. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the grass so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. Sound like a little organization was going on. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Amen. Not really including the women and the children. Amen. How many believes that the Lord can supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory? Praise God. Lord God, we thank you once again. This evening, for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness that you have so graciously shown to us. I pray, God, tonight, for the next little bit, amen, that the light of your word would shine brightly in our lives. Let it illuminate our minds, amen, that we can partake of it and leave different than the way we came. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, they ran. I mean, when you read the scripture, I'm going to finish reading here while you're seated. Amen. The, 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 fact of the, the fact of the matter is that these people knew Jesus. They heard the, the stories. 
and they understood that he was close by, he was there, and they ran on foot. I might have mentioned this last week, but the crowds, when you look at the Sea of Galilee, the crowds that ran, they, they had to run about eight miles around the lake just to reach Jesus and the disciples on the other side. And Jesus, in the process, as he looked at this and looked at all those people, not just a, 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 a few, but all those people, at least 5,000, but you got your women and children, they were willing to run, amen, around that part of the lake to intercept Jesus. I don't know that some people today would run across a parking lot. There was something in them that was burning. There was a desire. There was, there was a, a, a motivation that said it's worth the run. It's worth the run. It's worth the eight miles. And Jesus looked and the Bible said he was moved with compassion. He was moved with their hunger to hear what he had to say. You see, that's what moves God. Going to church doesn't move God. Going to Tuesday night corporate prayer doesn't move God. Going and, and, and being involved in Sunday school or, 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 or choir or music or whatever, that doesn't move God just because you're there. No, he wants to see this, this hunger, this anticipation, this, this something that's driving you there. That's what he's looking for. That's where his compassion comes from. He was moved with compassion. Why? Because those people put forth the effort to run around the lake. They didn't even take boats. They ran. They ran. And so Jesus, I believe, has always moved deeply when humans, when you and I are willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to get to his feet. It might just be 25 or 30 feet just getting out of your pew and coming to an altar. It, it might just be uh, uh, you deciding that Wednesday night is not going to be the, 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 the status quo Wednesday night that you're used to. But something's moving you to get to church because anything can happen when we get into the presence of the Lord. When we get at the feet of Jesus, anything can happen. So you and I need to realize as well that sometimes you got to run to Him. You've got to be determined that, that you're, not, you're not willing to just, oh well, they're going on vacation. They're going on the other side. They're going into a deserted place. And so uh, I'll catch him the next time he comes by. No. You've got to call on him while he is near. You've got to take advantage of the situation. You've got to realize that, uh, you know, I'm in the presence of God, so everything else... Dinner don't matter, right? They were all hungry. Dinner don't matter. Lord, send them, send them away so they can go to these towns before the stores close and, and buy bread and all of that. Go, let, let them go. Send them away. 
But Jesus in his mind says, you feed them. Amen. You see, they were a sheep without a shepherd. In other words, without a shepherd, sheep are hopelessly lost. He understood these people didn't have a shepherd, and so they, they were coming to him to lead them, right? Amen. They, they, they have no sheep. If you've ever been around sheep, you understand they have nothing to protect themselves with. The shepherd was the protector. The staff, the rod. Really? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You see, they have no way to defend themselves and they will probably starve. Shepherds would move the sheep from pasture to pasture. Shepherds would, shepherds would move that and shepherds would, 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 would move them to the water. Shepherds knew that the sheep couldn't get far away because there was the, 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 the wild beast and, and those things out there that were lurking in the background. Amen. Knowing that, that if one of those sheep get far enough out, they could make their move and destroy him. That's why the shepherd had to pay attention. And he said simply, they are sheep without a shepherd. And they'll probably starve if I don't take care of them. Why? Because those people that day and time had been abandoned. And by, lar by large, they were abandoned by the religious leaders of that day and time. And, and it was their inability to keep the oral law that caused them to be considered unclean. Turn to your neighbor and say unclean. Turn to your neighbor right now and go. Unclean. Unclean. Pastor, that was, that, that, that was uncalled for. But they were unclean in a religious sense. They weren't, they weren't the, can somebody shut the door back here? I know I'm, I'm kind of deaf, and if I'm deaf, you guys can probably hear it real well. Amen. And so therefore, Jesus was there to do a work. And Jesus couldn't imagine turning these people away when they were wandering around with no leadership in their lives. No leadership in their lives. I can go back in my life and I can go back and I'm thinking, thank the Lord I had leadership in my life. I can go back and look and say, Lord, I want to thank you because there was times in my life when I was straying a little far. I was getting out there a little too far away from the fold. I was, I was kind of moving way out there, uh, out on the outskirts. And if it wasn't for leadership, if it wasn't for a shepherd, if it wasn't people, for people praying and calling my name out before the Lord, the enemy was out there. The devourer was out there. Knowing that without a shepherd, without help, I would probably, or I would, starve to death. Think about that. Think about that. Wandering with no leadership in their life. So they ran on foot. There was a determination. They wanted to get to Jesus. He had compassion. 
They were sheep without a shepherd. Let me tell you something right now. Every one of us need a shepherd in our lives. Right? We all need a shepherd in our lives. We need somebody to lead us and to guide us and to watch over us. Through the thick and the thin, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the good times, the bad days, the mountaintops, the valleys. Think about it. We, we, we look at Psalm 23 where the psalmist is crying out and said, you know, you know, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou, the great shepherd, you are with me. It's your rod and your staff that comfort me, right? You are the one that's with me. You walk with me. Amen. You talk with me like the old songs. You tell me that I'm yours, right? Amen. So the last thing, disciples, their their genius idea says turn them away, send them home. That was their solution. Send them home, Lord. How are we going to take care of them? What are we going to do about the situation? Send them on. Their their solution. Amen. Let the people, let the people buy what they need somewhere in a nearby town. They got eight miles. They got some other places they're going to go by. So let them buy their food in a nearby town. You see, sometimes there's times when we as church people don't understand somebody's hunger. Right? And sometimes, folks, let's be honest, we can get irritated at, at, at our commitment to Jesus Christ. Right? We can also come across as tired and weary disciples who are not ready. We're not at that point, Lord, to uh, display compassion at that moment of somebody's need. Right? We're not there, Brother Howard. We're not there. You know, Jesus, I mean, he looks at him. You read it. We read it together where he said, feed him. Feed him. Turn to your neighbor and say, feed him. Hey, man, let me talk about it. He said, you give them something to eat. You. How many have been in that situation before? You give them something to eat. I always tell the story of the kid growing up. I mean, I was blessed. I mean, I was really blessed. I didn't understand a lot of things growing up until I got older and looked back on it. I'm thinking, man, you know. And I've told you this story before, but I'll use it again because it, it's, it ministered to me when, when my mom, there was just three of us. There wasn't, there, you know, it was just me, my dad, and my mom. But, but she would always, Sister Lyle, she would always fix enough food that if anybody by chance would stop by, they could invite them in to dinner and would have enough plus for them to eat. I remember that. Well, Pastor, what, what, what did it speak to you? Well, you hear it when I say we have dinners. Don't be going off of this six ounces or eight ounces and calculating all this stuff. No. I want enough plus I want enough plus. I, I, want, I want, you know, we had that uh, uh, men's meeting last Saturday night. And we had several from the Hope House that came. And we had, our, we had a great meeting. Brother Howard did a great job speaking. I mean, we had a great time. Brother Singer ran it great. It was, going, it was all great. We went downstairs. And to my delight, 
Sister Singer and, and Sister Denise were in the kitchen, and they had beef brisket, pulled pork, mac and cheese, baked beans. I'm starting to salivate. Desserts, all this kind of stuff, all the sauces and all that kind of stuff. It made me, it made my heart just kind of say, oh, man, why? Because I was getting to the point where I wanted to be able to say to all those people, hey, you want some more to eat? That's why I look at it in church. I don't want to ever be in a place to where we're skipping by just getting through a worship service or getting through a Bible study or getting through a Sunday morning service or a Sunday evening service. Just kind of, get, just kind of skipping by. No, we need to have the attitude. We want the table full plus. We want more. We want anybody and everybody that comes into the house of God to be able to set themselves at the table and feast on what God has supplied in that place. That's why it's so important. Amen. You go by. Well, amen. The Lord said, wait a minute, guys. Why don't you go and buy? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. Peter, I would think, would be probably the most likely to probably just say, but Lord, this is supposed to be a time of rest. We're supposed to be getting away. That was the intention, right? Don't you love it how God just upsets all of those and turns those kind of things upside down when you least expect it, right? And he comes in and all of a sudden he said, hey, I'm going to do something great right here. Y'all just take a chill pill right now. I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But, but right now there's people in need and, and, and my compassion is, is compelling me to do something. Amen. Lord, did you forget? You know, the Lord, His words and His works, you know, He works in ways that are above our human thinking. Right? Because Jesus was on a mission. He was on, a, everybody say a mission. Amen. He had a mission in mind. He was going. And he couldn't imagine in his mind turning away from the need that was represented that day. 5,000 men plus women and kids that have just ran eight miles and approximately and sat and listened to me speak. Spiritual food. But now they needed natural food. Amen. Who would do that? Who would run all that way around? Well, I'll tell you something right now. People that's got a need. People that didn't have a shepherd at that day and time. Because like I said before, the religious leaders wouldn't provide it. Many of them were unclean. Amen. All, all they, and, and, and when Jesus was coming and speaking and ministering to them, all they felt was... Was, was his love for them, his compassion for them. And the words that he spoke 
was ringing in their ear and, and it, was, it was touching their heart. See, people don't want to come to a church that's just like any other church. They want to come someplace that they're going to feel something. They want to feel that what you're speaking is just not words that are coming out of your mouth because it makes no difference. The vessel, God can use any vessel. I always look at it this way. God used a donkey one time. They ran eight miles. No promise. Nobody said, hey, come on over here. We got dinner for you. Right? There was no promise of food. They came to hear him minister, to teach the word. Now, understand this. Uh, 200 denarii worth that they said, that, that, you know, we don't think about it, but that was actually equivalent to seven months of wages that would have taken to feed all of that crowd. Seven months. Think about that right now. Seven months for the average working person, 200 denarii. And that's what it was going to take to feed that crowd. Once again, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Shall we go and buy? Question mark. going to take a lot of money and Lord you know we don't have it a lot everybody say a lot you know sometimes we have a lot more than what we like to think we have because if we open ourselves up to God and we we say God here I am God sometimes will use us in ways that we never even dreamed were possible right Once again, the disciples did not expect that Jesus, I think, they didn't think, well, you know, I know he's Jesus. I I know, I know. I've seen that yet. But I think now we're up against something to where I don't even know that he can get the job done. Did you ever think about that? Have you ever thought about that? That maybe that was going through their mind? That they were thinking like, you know, hey, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that we can, I don't know that even Jesus can take care of this problem. Have you ever prayed or you come up against something and you just don't really pray hard about it because you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know that the Lord can fix this. Think about it. Think about it. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm, I, I, you know. I use it often, but I use it because it's genuine. I mean, I've got a knee that's bummed up. It's actually working pretty good right now. Amen. But, but, but here's the point. The point is, I've prayed a lot about my knee. In fact, I've prayed a lot so much about that knee, I'm, I'm at the place now where, Lord, that's pretty selfish of me. I think I want to pray about somebody else's knees. And if you decide to heal me, you'll heal me. And if you don't, you don't. But here's the deal. I know God is able you see, when I've seen things happen, when I've seen things happen in people's lives being touched and, and, and miracles taking place in people's lives, I know he's capable of doing it. But you can't put God in a box. 
And I think they were, they were at the point where they're like, well, I don't know that Jesus is really up to this task because this is pretty big. Man, we need a lot of food. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I just don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know that he can do it. I don't know that he can solve this problem. I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff, but this is big. Amen. And the only way, the only way to, take, to meet the need of this large crowd is we're going to have to buy lots of food. Like I said, we need seven months worth of wages to take care of this need. Come on, think about that today. What happens if we had a need at the church, some need that was pressing? How many of us would be willing to give up seven months worth of wages? I'm just trying to bring it into our day and time. Because we would be probably the same way the disciples were. Man, this is beyond our deal. We can't do that. Think about it. Think about it. Now you've gone beyond what God can do. But you see, God's able. How many can witness tonight that there was times when you didn't know you were going to pay some bills, but God somehow moved in your situation and God did some great things? So the next question that the Lord asked, what do you have? Well, Lord, I don't know. What do we have? I've got a piece of bubble gum. You know, I believe if that was back there and they had a piece of bubble gum and he wanted to give all the kids bubble gum or their moms and dads or whatever, I believe he could have taken that thing and just... I know he could. What do you have? Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you have? Now turn to him and say, give it to me. Have you ever heard of guys taking the offering and... They'll tell you, and I've, I've did this myself uh, at, you know, big meeting or something and take the offering up. And I'll say, okay, let's all stand very seriously. And I say, get your wallets out, everybody. Ladies, get your purse out now. Now give it to your neighbor and let them give out of your, what they think you should be given that night. And, of course, everybody does this. <laughs> They're laughing and all that kind of stuff. And it is, I mean, it's funny, but my point was simply this. Sometimes we got to get out of ourself and realize that this is the king's business. And sometimes it may hurt a little bit or sacrifice. We might have to sacrifice a little bit. And here, the point was, look, this is beyond what we can do. That's the point. It's beyond. I'm not sure the Lord can take care of this, but this is certainly beyond what we can do. But what do you have? Imagine that. He not only interrupts their time off, their rest time, their vacation. Now he's asking them to give all. But Lord, man, we saved this up for this vacation. We, we, now, now, I, I, I see the little bubbles going on all over the sanctuary tonight telling me to get off the subject right now. Don't be talking stuff like that. But Lord, we saved up for this vacation. Lord, we've, we've been putting this back for X, Y, Z. Lord, whatever like that. He said, what do you have? 
What do you have? Amen. He was asking them to give all of their food, whatever they had, food. Give it all to feed the hungry. We don't have it. I feel like the Lord could have said right then, that's the point. You're doubting right now. How many times did that happen? Your unbelief is unbelievable. You know, God can only do the miraculous in our lives when you are willing to give Him everything you have. I've learned a long time ago, don't be afraid of that. God would never hurt you. Now, I know you got a lot of guys on TV and all this other kind of stuff. Send us your money. Come on, give me your money. You know, send it to the Lord. We'll, you know, we'll X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. I heard one guy say something real smart. He said, if you have a local church, give it to your local church. Then you can see what's going on. You can see the blessings of what happens from it. Now, I, I, I'll leave that alone. But understand what I'm saying. The Lord said, that's the point. That is the point, my words. That's the point. You don't have it. Amen. But understand this. I think what the Lord's trying to get across in this story is you don't have to have much to give to God for God to work the miraculous in your life. Right? You don't have to have a lot. That's where some people feel like, well, if I, if I give $1,000 or if I gave $250,000, you know, if I do something for the church and I, I give this big amount of money, that, that somehow that's going to give them or occur them favor with God. If you give it in the right spirit and the right way, God can do something great for you. But also, you may be like the the woman that only had two mites, two pennies. That's all she had to give. And Jesus says to these guys, who gave more? Who gave more? She gave more because she gave of everything she had. So, we see here where now we're getting someplace. You don't have to have much. Really, what you have to have, I believe, is a right attitude and a willingness to give our all. That's what he's looking for. The right attitude and a willingness. What's that old song? I will give him all, I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And that's all the words I know of that song. My mind has gone. But I will give you all. I will give you all. Amen. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. That's the point. I won't withhold. I have to have a willingness. I have to have the right attitude. Because that's what he's looking for. Let's go to Mark 5, 25. 
And I want to kind of look at this quickly here. I'm losing track of time. Uh, this deals with the woman with the issue of blood. And now notice this here. The Bible says, verse 25, begin here. Now a certain woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all, everybody say all, that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard, of Jesus, heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. But hold on. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples, once again, his disciples said to him, Lord, you see the multitude thronging you, and, 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 and you ask the silly question, Who touched me? My emphasis, my words. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And what did Jesus do? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Healed of your affliction. This woman, 12 years, you know the story. But, but let, me, let me kind of bring something to your attention here. What we don't really think about is if, if you go back to Levit Leviticus, the 15th chapter, it deals with unclean discharges from the body. It talks about the men first, and then it talks about the women. So let me, let me kind of read here the situation that she was in. These were not your normal weekly or monthly cycle that, the, woman, that the, the, the women would have. But this dealt with things that goes beyond that. I, I was reading a little commentary on, on different things and I won't, I, won't, I won't gross you out tonight. But, but the fact of it was this was something beyond just the normal things that were happening. So, here's the thing in verse 25 of Leviticus 15. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lieth on the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whatsoever she sitteth on shall be unclean and the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days and after that she shall be clean. And on the eighth day, 
she shall take unto her two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them unto the priest to the door of the tabernacle. These were offerings that didn't cost much. All right? And the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. Thus she shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, that they die not in their uncleanness. When they defile my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law of him that hath an issue, and, and of him whose seed goeth out from him, and is defiled defy there, therewith. And of her that is sick of her flowers, and of him that hath, no, hath, hath an issue, and a man, and of a woman, and of him that lieth with her that is unclean. Understand. Understand. She was suffering. She was suffering from bleeding from this discharge. It wasn't normal. This has gone on for 12 years. She suffered greatly from uncontrollable bleeding. Not, not only would this lead to obvious physical and emotional problems, but such bleeding rendered her ritually unclean. Now think about that for a moment. She was, it rendered her ritually unclean, which, which simply meant she was cut off from the involvement in all, all the religious activities. All the, of the people that were involved cut off from worshiping in the temple. That was gone. Twelve years. Amen. She, she couldn't have, it was prohibited for her to have any intimate relationships even with her husband. So that kind of bled out, and since many people assumed that there was a chronic problem like this, they felt like it was God's judgment on that person because of sin. And it's no doubt when you, when you think about it more than just reading the story of it and, 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 and taking, it, uh, taking it all in, it's, 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 it's when you think about it, it's really under, you can understand that it, it created, it, the, the experience of that and experiencing the condemnation that she received from other people. Think about that for a moment. The condemnation. The Bible says she had it. It only got worse. How frustrating. How many knows it's frustrating when you go to the doctor and the doctor can't help you out? Right? Well, let me, let me just put it to you this way. I can remember the day. I can remember when my wife had that stroke many years ago, and, and she had all this confidence in doctors. She worked for them. She worked in administration of the hospital. She knew these people. I mean, we, you know, uh, you know, we fellowship with them. We, I mean, you know, different things. And, and uh, I, you know, when she went into that office that one day, and the doctor looked her in the face, called her by her name, and said, Angie, that's why we call it practicing medicine. Light switch went on her brain. It says, well, if man can't do anything for me, I need to put my faith and trust in him. 
Because I'm here to tell you today, there's a lot of smart doctors, and a lot of smart nurses, a lot of smart people in the medical profession, a lot of smart people in the sciences and all that kind of stuff. But they are limited in their knowledge. They can only go so far, and then it's explicable. They can't, you, they can't explain it. You can't, you know, we don't know what to do. It's like the disciples. Give them something to eat. Well, that's above our pay grade. She only got worse, frustrated, a disease. And I think each and every one of us needs to realize life will not get any better until you come to Jesus. She only got worse. And then she heard of Jesus. Now, you know the story, so don't, I don't want to totally belabor the point here. But, you know, most likely the most important lesson to learn in this all is simply that the moment she heard of Jesus, she responded. She took action. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Every day, he's as close as the mention of his name. Close. Amen. It was not an easy task for her to get to the Lord. She was ceremonially unclean. Anybody that came in contact with her would be unclean. There were certain things that regulated that, and and, and the crowd all was trying to get the attention of the Lord. Everybody was throwing him. Everybody needed his attention. Everybody was looking his direction and trying to make eye contact with him. Folks, we got to get to the place in our lives where we don't allow the crowd or we don't allow even our own shortcomings to keep us from touching Jesus. Right? Touching Jesus, right, is all that matters. And what? Your life will never be the same. There's only one way to touch him, and that's how, when you call upon his name. Because, you know, here's the fact of the matter, that if you touch him and you come in the right spirit and the right, the right mindset and, the, and with that need, and you touch him, it makes no difference what everybody else is doing. He's going to respond to your need. Who touched me? Lord, look around. You got all kinds of people here. Nah. I know I got all kinds of people here. I've been shaking hands with people. Whatever. I've been, you know, yeah, they've been touching. Lord, they've been touching. Yeah. No, no, no. Somebody touched me because I felt power. I felt power leave my body. I felt power. I want you to be encouraged tonight that you're not alone in this. You're not alone. You may feel like you're at a standstill. You might feel like there's nothing else you can do. But I'm going to tell you what. Jesus is just waiting on you to touch him. Come with the right, the right mindset. Amen. People were, you know, they had all kinds of reasons. And I won't go into them. They might have been laughing, touching, grabbing, attend, trying to get the attention. However, however, when you really touch him, he's going to respond. 
And everything changed. You know, she could have thought when he turned around, who touched me? And he looked at her. Could have went across her mind. Oh, I've done, I've went messed up now. Because he's going to rebuke me in front of all these people. He's going to look at me and he's going to say, is there, this lady's unclean. She shouldn't be here. No, he responded. He responded. Because of her faith, because of of her passion, he could feel that. Let me encourage you tonight. When you get desperate, she was desperate. She was broken. Twelve years she's put up with this. The ridicule. All of these different things. And then he responds, daughter. Do you know that changed everything? Daughter. Amen. She went from maybe fearing that she had done something wrong to all of a sudden that healing changed her life. He addressed her as daughter, stressing to her that she is indeed a child of God and that she is loved. Somebody say loved. And she's not under judgment. Let me go on. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. And then he says to her, daughter, go in peace. Don't know that we see anybody else healed that day. Think about it for a moment. Do you know, and I close with this scripture, and I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read Matthew 8, 16, just verse 16. He had been at Peter's. His, Peter's mom or mother-in-law fell sick, all right? And he come in, and he takes her by the hand, and he heals her. Come on down. The Bible says, when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Cast out the devils with his word and healed all that were sick. Two years. Now, we talked about three, but there are 34 recorded miracles of Jesus Christ. We looked at three of them. But I think you and I need to realize that we're never, we will never overcome sin and sickness without the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. It's just not going to happen. And you know, just as we, this last, you know, weekend, Brother Moore was talking about prodigals and, and, and those that don't, they're, you know, they're not back and us believe in the power of God, that God would do great things. I'm going to tell you something right now, church. If we will come together in our prayer time and our believing in every service, God will do a great work in our lives. Let's stand together. Raise your hands together as we close this service out. Let's just tell the Lord how much we love him. And let's just, let's just call on his name right now. Lord God, amen. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords.
You truly are our Prince of Peace. There's none like you. Amen. You have all power in heaven and earth. There's nothing you cannot do. And God, I pray today, amen, as with, with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, that, that you would do a great work in this last day. God, that, our, that, that your compassion will become our compassion. Amen. That, that your, that your uh, eyes that, that you look through and that you see in the hearts and lives of people, that we too, God, would come to that place to where our eyes would be open to the needs of others that are around us. God, take all those things out of our lives that are stumbling blocks and roadblocks. God, I pray. Lord, take, take all of the, the bitterness and the anger and things in our lives, amen, that are not like you. And God, help us, Lord, to, to uh, turn our lives around and, and realize, Lord, that we are like the disciples. We are walking with you. We are talking with you. Uh, and God, you're wanting to do great things through us. Amen. This is one big teaching session, Lord. Amen, Lord God, that you're going to lead us and guide us and show us the way. So I pray, God, that you administer to us, but not just to us, but, but, but when you minister to us, God, we will in turn give what you've given us to other people, that your word can become a light to them and a moment of a healing touch to them and a moment of direction to them. Amen. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray and let everybody say amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Bring somebody with you to the house of God Sunday morning. Amen. God bless.